So this morning, I would like to title my sermon as The End of Your Faith. Can you read that with me? The End of Your Faith. So we will be basing our sermon on 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. We will get there very soon. So before that, I just want to you know, give an introduction to this topic this morning, the end of your faith. When we hear the attacks that are coming and the persecutions that are happening over the churches, over children of God, there is no doubt that we are living in the last days. In the reason that tax on the Christians in Sri Lanka that claimed more than 250 to 300 lives from different churches and different hotels, that is considered, considered as one of the worst attacks on Christians in Asia. Just in the same week, there were 40 Christians were killed just shortly before Easter in Nigeria. And many of them were children. Many of them were children. You know, such a massacre and bomb blasts and suicide bombings against Christians tell us the severity of the time or the persecution that are happening in different parts of the world. Open those USA who support the persecuted churches and the believers in more than 60 countries. They say that every month, you know, this is the statistics. Every month, on an average, I want you to listen to this number. I couldn't believe, but just, I was just you know, making sure this is the figure. Every month, 345 Christians are killed across the globe for faith-related reasons. 345 Christians are killed every month. 105 churches and Christian buildings are burned or attacked. 219 Christians are detained without trial. Or they are arrested or sentenced or imprisoned. Now, there is no doubt that as you see in the, in the map, you know, all the red areas are highly severe persecuted areas. You know, we are living in a time where persecution is happening. It's really, we, earlier we talked about it. We read from the book of Acts, but now we see with our own eyes persecution happening. Many nations which had the open door for the gospel, they shut their doors for the gospel. So gospel can no more enter into those nations when you hear the cry of the persecuted churches, you know, we think what is going on on the face of this earth. We have questions where all these are going to end. We have questions and we have doubts and we have confusions. But remember, persecution is not new for Christianity. Even at the first century, Christians experienced persecution. Until today, there are millions and millions are killed for the reason of religious freedom across the globe. Now that reminds me what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 verses 10 to 12. If you can read that with me, Matthew chapter 5 verses 10 to 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evils against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, we understand such a blessedness of those who are persecuted, you know, they belong to heaven. We know that they, those who are persecuted, they are already in heaven. That's what Bible says. Those who are persecuted, heaven belongs to them. They just go to heaven. 
They go to the presence of God. If not the real heaven, they just feel the presence of God. They feel comfort over there. But the question is, what about those who are alive? And continue to embrace, continue to profess Christianity. What about our condition? What are we going to do? Are we afraid of those things that are happening across the globe? Or are, are, are we are, you know, silent as if, you know, we don't hear anything about it. We don't know anything about it. What are, how we should behave, how we should contact ourselves. You know, I was searching through the Bible and, you know, Peter really helped me there. Peter thought about it 2,000 years before. And he put these things in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. You know, these are the scriptures we are going to dwell today. 1 Peter chapter 3, sorry, chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. If you can read that with me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Verse 4, to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. When we read through the scriptures, you know, first time when I read through this, I, didn't, I, I, understand nothing, I understood nothing. So this morning we thought, you know, we will take the scriptures and as we move along, we are going to talk about what really Peter is trying to tell us. Peter tells us that you need to know the kind of life that we are living in Christ Jesus. Are we living in Christ? Yes. So we are living in Christ and Peter wants us to know the kind of life that we live in Christ. And he contrasts the temporary life that we have on the face of this earth with the eternal nature of life that is in heaven. He tells us that the troubles on this earth are for a moment, but the joy is eternal. You know, this morning I want you to you know, pay attention and focus your mind on the life that we have on this earth and the life that is yet to come. He tells us that the life we live is a journey of faith. And he tells us in the same scriptures, the end of the faith and at the end of this journey, the faith journey is the salvation of souls. And I believe it is worth reading through these words as Peter you know, has written this and understand what he is trying to tell. I believe there is an answer for the questions that we have. Lord, why? Lord, why? Lord, why? Then there are two sections in these scriptures, if you can just you know, uh, uh, follow, follow with me. What Jesus does, verses 3 to 5, Bible talks about what Jesus does. And verses 6 to 9 what we need to do, what we do. So there are two different sections, verses 3 to 5 and verses 6 to 9. So let's, let's get going now. Now, what Jesus does, or what he has already done for us. Peter is putting that from verses 3 to 9. Let's go back to verse 3, if we can read that verse 3. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his 
abundant mercy. So we'll pass there. According to his abundant mercy. Blessed the name of the Lord. Of Jesus Christ. Who according to his abundant mercy. You know God has birthed. God has birthed. Because the next verse says abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. So God because of his abundant mercy has birthed us into a living hope. You know, how do we understand this abundant mercy of God? We were born according to his abundant mercy. Not by our works, but because of his work, what Jesus performed, and because of his mercy. You know, his mercy is running through generation to generation and saving people. His mercy is running through all the crusades that are happening. His mercy is running through all the gospel meetings and all the youth camps and all the prayer meetings and all the outreach ministries and all the prison ministries and hospital ministries. So his mercy is flowing through all these ministries, saving people. And what saves people today? The abundant mercy of God. You know, many people today, they don't really walk in this hope but you and I we are walking in this hope having this hope in our lives because of the abundant mercy of God can you say that with me abundant mercy once again Psalm 113 verse 17 says but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting and Luke chapter 1 verse 50 says and his mercy on those who fear him from one generation to the other generation you know his mercy flows through our lives his mercy flows through your, from your life into the life of your children. And the mercy of God is endless because it is from everlasting to everlasting. So we are born in Christ because of his abundant mercy. And let's continue to read that. Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us into a living hope. Next slide. Into a living hope. So we are birthed into what? Into a, are you with me? Into a living hope. It's not just hope. What it is? It is a living hope. Hope that is alive. You know, Bible commentators, often they call Peter as the apostle of hope. Yes? Peter is the apostle of hope. He gives a lot of hope and a lot of strength. He, he, he puts his trust in the Lord. And hope that is alive. Here Peter writes, He begotten us because of his abundant mercy into a living hope. Hope really that helps us to get up from the bed in the morning. How many of us really don't feel like getting up from the bed at times? But this hope that Peter is talking about helps us to get up from the bed in the morning. It, this particular hope revives every hopeless situation in our lives. You know, there are areas in your lives that you have been praying and praying and praying and praying. Some of us already gave up on those areas, isn't it? Some of us already gave up those areas. We don't pray about it anymore. But Bible says, He has brought us into a living hope. And that living hope gives us assurance and confidence to get up and keep running every day. That hope really helps us. That hope really brings confidence in us. That hope really brings assurance in our lives. The apostle is really speaking to the Christians, those who are persecuted 
in the Asia Minor during that point of time. And he is telling them that you are begotten in Christ Jesus and into a living hope, into a living hope. You know, remember this living hope was the anchor in the past because of Jesus' resurrection. And this living hope is the anchor for the present because we know that he is alive. Are you with me? It was anchor in the past because we know that Jesus rose from the dead. And it is an anchor today for the present because we know that he is alive. And this hope is an anchor for the future because he has promised eternal life. You're talking about three things here. The resurrection. And he is alive today. And he is going to take us into the eternity. Amen. Are you with me? Yes, I just want to read a scripture from 2 Corinthians verses, verse 4, 16. Very well-known scripture. Paul says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though things are not happening, even though there are Christians are persecuted, our brothers and sisters are persecuted across the land, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Because he has called us into a living hope and that living hope is alive. It is very active in our lives. You know, it's not just that we had put our trust in the Lord on one particular morning. No, 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 no. We trust him every day because the hope that we have in him is alive. Is alive. Amen. The hope that we have in... Are you with me this morning? Are you happy about it? The hope that we have in us is so alive, so alive. You know, that makes us to keep moving. That makes us to keep doing things in our lives. Let's continue reading. To a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he has begotten us into this living hope through what? Through the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we talked about, I believe last week, we talked about, you know, how important resurrection is. How important resurrection is. He says that it happens through the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we have this hope because Christ has risen. Amen? Because Christ has risen, we have this hope in the Lord. And what is that hope? We will also rise. You know, it gives us hope for the future. It, you know, it is a hope it was in the past. And we live in that hope today. And it also gives us hope for the future. As Paul says, if Christ is not risen, our hope is empty our faith is empty if christ is not risen we don't have hope at all if christ is not risen there is no hope for those who lost their dear ones if christ is not risen we can say that it is all loss but because christ is risen it is not a loss paul says to live is christ to die is gain. We have not lost anything. The Christendom has not lost anything in the past, million, past thousands of years. Today, even when wherever persecution is happening, we have not lost anything because Christ has risen. Christ has risen. You know, this morning, these scriptures, they speak to us. They put our, you know, uh, they help us to, you know, the, these scriptures really help us to put our faith in the Lord God so strongly. Let's continue reading. Through the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ from the dead, verse 4, to an inheritance that is incorruptible. To an inheritance that is incorruptible, we are born in Christ Jesus Christ into the living hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, 
we are born into what? To an inheritance that is incorruptible. You know, according to his mercy, we were born into a living hope through the resurrection of Lord Jesus Christ to an inheritance that is incorruptible. You know, heaven is the ultimate inheritance of the children of God. Not the home that we live. Not the earth that we live. Heaven is the ultimate inheritance of the children of God. If you believe that, can you say that? Heaven is the ultimate inheritance of the children of God. You know, heaven is just all like its maker. Romans chapter 1 verse 23 says, Who is called an incorruptible God? Our God is an incorruptible God. So heaven is like just like our God. Heaven is incorruptible. And heaven, you know, life in heaven is just incorruptible means it's imperishable. It is everlasting. It will not just corroded, get corroded. It will not just corrupted. It is immortal. And think about the nature of our body. The nature of our body is decay. It will decay. Our body will fall apart. Today the body parts are intact because blood is running through the system. Think about the moment when our heart stops pumping blood through our system. Things are just going to fall apart. So our body is kept to decay. But what is the promise that God is giving us? The life after death, really, if you think about it, it's a great promise. And I really honor, honor God for this promise. The life after death, it doesn't really require any prescription. The life after death, it doesn't really require any surgery. The life after death, it doesn't really require any prosthetics. No, not at all. It doesn't require any life support. The life after death is eternal. We are out of this struggle. We are out of this bondage. We are out of the constraint that we are living in today. Today in this body, from the top to the bottom, you see, if you start listing down, you have multiple issues. You have many issues. Right? It doesn't leave any part of our body. It's all problem. It's all, once you are above 40, it, everything starts. Can I hear an amen? Mm, see? Everything starts. From top to bottom, we have a lot of problems, but the life eternal is incorruptible. You know, that's what it means by saying incorruptible. Let's move further. And Paul says here, it is, sorry, Peter says here, to an incorruptible and undefiled. Our inheritance is in heaven is what? Incorruptible and undefiled. You know, again, it is going to be like, you know, think about, I just want you to think about a high priest who is really holy. The Bible says, in fact, in Hebrews 7, 726, the Bible says, He is holy and harmless and undefiled. The place we are going to go is exactly the same as our high priest. It is undefiled. No blemish, no corruption, no sinful attitude there. No matter how much our, everyone tries to you know, keep ourselves sin-free, we fall into the sinful things when we live on this earth. Because our life on this earth is defiled. But we are talking about an inheritance that God has given to you and me that is in eternity, that is in eternity, that is undefiled, that is undefiled. The purity and the holiness that we are longing for today can be found where? Only in heaven. Are you with me? Yes? Now we try, but you know, we will not be able to achieve. But when we go there, 
God has kept as a place, an inheritance for us that is incorruptible and undefiled. Not only that, let's continue reading that. And Peter says, and that does not fade away. Can you say that with me? That does not really fade away. Now Peter says the life eternal is going to be incorruptible. And he says it is undefiled. And he says it is not going to fade away. The life eternal is not going to just fall apart. The life eternity is not just going to disappear. You know, today people live on the face of this earth and once they are gone, they are just gone. You know, you may remember them for a couple of months and a couple of weeks and then you forget them. But Bible says, life eternity is not going to fade away. We won't get really get discouraged in the life that we are going to have with the Lord. You know, the life that we have today is full of discouragement, discomforts. We are not happy. We are not able to happy. We make ourselves, keep ourselves happy for even for one hour. In between, we have all the ups and downs coming in our lives and hitting our lives. We are talking about a life that doesn't fade away. The heavenly inheritance, the life that is in heaven, it is going to just retain its beauty and vigor. Amen? Once we go there, we will not be weak. Once we go there, we will not just feel sleepy. Once we go there, we will not find it difficult to walk. And yesterday we were just, you know, thinking, you know, seeing the residents there, the kind of struggles that they go through. You bring them to a chair and they are not able to sit in their chair. They can get up from their wheelchair, but they, 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 they don't have the confidence even to sit in their chair. Many of you work with them, so anyway, you know about it. But the life in eternal Eternity is not going to fade away. And let's, let's keep going. And you know, he says that kind of life in heaven is reserved for you. It's reserved. Who had made the reservation? Father God. Our Father in heaven made a reservation for you and me in the heavenly realms, a place already. What does it mean, reservation? When you reserve, you are very sure that when you go there, you will have a place to sit. That's what reservation means. And Bible says, Peter says, Father, your Father, as, you know, these things we don't, you know, re- normally doesn't really get into our lives. But Peter is saying, your Father in heaven, the heavenly, in the heavenly place, which is incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, he has already reserved a space for you. You know, whether we've already booked our graveyard or not, but God has already booked your place in heaven. Amen? Amen. You know, this is very important. This is very important. He has already made a reservation. Some of us do not have a place, permanent place in this earth. Do not worry about it. Some of us are just made for that. Every time you move from one apartment to the other apartment, you will never buy house. Is that true? <laughs> Somebody says yes. No, we don't want that to be true. But even if that is our condition, even if that is our situation, Peter says, do not worry about it. Do not worry about it. Because already there is a place which is reserved for you. Already there is a place which is reserved for you. You know, God will give in his, in his time. There is no doubt about it. But more than that, there is a place which is already reserved for us in the eternal heaven. And how that place is kept intact. You know, Peter says, for you who are kept by the power of God. Through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. You know, he says, you are kept by the power of God for that inheritance. You are kept by the power of God. The inheritance we are talking about, the inheritance that we are desiring, you know, in future. You know, we may not be, we may be seeing that at a very far distance in terms of time and space. 
It may be very far for now, time being. But yet the apostles, they believed. Yet the saints of God, they believed. Yes, the, the church of God is believing and you and I are believing in that inheritance because it is a promise of God. Because it is promised by God. Though in the inheritance is very safe and kept in that, in that place. We are still living on the face of this earth. We are not gone there yet. We are still living on the face of this earth. The comfort that we have in this earth may not be sufficient. But you know what? God is going to comfort us in the eternal realm. Eternal realm. As once we go there. And Bible says, you know, Peter says, no one can snatch that away because you are protected by the power of God. Can you say power of God? Power of God keeps us intact. And you know, God the Father has reserved a place for us in the eternal realm. Now let's move to the second part of it. And so far, this is what Peter said. Peter said, because of God's abundant mercy. Can you recite that with me? Because of God's abundant mercy, he birthed us into a living hope. He birthed us into a living hope through the resurrection of the Lord into a place that is eternally, eternal heaven that is, that is what? Incorruptible, that is undefiled, that does not fade away and that place is reserved in heaven for us and until that point of time we are protected by the power of God. Amen? We are protected by the power of God. Now know what, what should we do about it? Nothing has been done by us. It's all by God. And what can we do about it? The second section of the scriptures that we read, Peter is talking about. Let's read that. In this, in what? In what we talked about. In the inheritance that he has kept for us in heaven. In this, you what? Greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. So he says, first of all, in this, you greatly rejoice. Rejoice. Can I hear an amen? Amen. In this God wants us to greatly rejoice. He's saying that forget everything that you are seeing today. You must greatly rejoice. For what? Because God has already kept a heavenly inheritance. And already he has made a place for us. That means when our health is challenging us. We need to do what? Greatly rejoice. When we lose our dear ones, what does it mean? We need to greatly Rejoice. When our family rejects us, what we need to do? We need to? Are you with me? Do you believe that? You know, when we lose everything, what we need to do? We need to? Greatly rejoice. Peter is not telling us to do anything else. Peter is not telling us to, you know, sit and worry about it. And he's also telling us, telling to the church in Asia Minor, he's telling, when your church is persecuted, when people are gone, when they are targeted, when they are destroyed, what do you need to do in this? You greatly rejoice. In this you greatly rejoice. Let's keep, keep reading further. And he says, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Can anyone say from here that you don't have any trial in your life? You don't have any problem in your life? Even if you ask the young children, the little ones, they have their own problem. They have their own problems. Just talk to them and understand. They have a huge amount of issues in their lives. They are not just free. Everybody is loaded with griefs and sorrows and problems and trials. We are grieved by various trials. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, again Paul says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us for a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know, most of the trials 
in the life of a child of God is a trial of faith. It's a trial of you know, many times, you know, when we go through trials and temptation, what gets tested? Our faith gets tested. God at times, you know, allows these trials in our lives not really to destroy us, but to make us. But to, at times, you know, to get tested. And, you know, when we go through these trials and temptations and we hold on to our faith, we become mature. Yes? We become mature in Christ. Then we will be able to... Deal with any situation that may be coming on our way. Amen? Amen? Now when we go through this trial, our faith is strengthened. Yes? Does it sound familiar? Yes? When we go through trials, our faith gets tested and our faith gets strengthened. And we, gain, we really gain endurance. We really gain ability. We really gain stamina to handle the situation. Handle the situation. Think about anybody's life. You know, we don't have time to go back to the you know, Old Testament. But let, let's move further. And he says that you are grieved by various trials. Verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith. What need to be tested? The genuineness of our faith need to be tested. So trials really test the genuineness of our faith. What does it mean? Genuineness of our faith. It tests whether we have genuine faith or fake faith. What is that fake faith? One example. Trusting God only for blessings. Trusting God only for miracles. Not at all worrying about the eternity. And God is telling us, if you have faith in me, when you go through all these trials, your eyes will be fixed on the heavenly inheritance. You know, it's very hard because when we are living on the face of this earth, we seldom have time to think about heaven. You know, when, when, maybe when you know, your hair starts becoming gray, uh, you know, in the, in the later days, you know, you, you, because you're very closer to heaven anyway. So you, you need to really think about heaven. And you, you know, at times when you look around and see, this world, world becomes an unfamiliar place because some of your friends, most of your friends, they've already gone. So this world becomes a strange place now. You don't have any familiar faces here. Right? But when you go to heaven, oh, you see everybody there. Hi, how are you? No, you see everybody there in heaven. That becomes a more familiar place. So now he says, the genuineness of our faith need to be tested. And now our faith, when it gets tested, you know, when our faith is really genuine, listen to this, this is very important. If our faith is really genuine, we don't get discouraged. If our faith is very strong in the Lord, we don't get discouraged. We don't complain. We don't murmur against God. Listen to this. We don't just stop praying. We don't just stop coming to church. We don't just stop lifting up our hands in worship. And we will stop all these things when our faith is not genuine. Is it helping? When our faith is genuine, it will help you to move forward. Because your genuine faith will always help you to put your focus on the eternity. The eternity that is yet to come. Let's keep reading. Genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Our faith is much more precious than gold. You know, gold is, certainly gold is, you know, considered as one of the most valuable metals. 
And he says, your faith is much more than that. Your, much, your faith is much more than that. You know, if you think about gold, the gold gets tested when it is taken through the fire to remove its impurities, right? Or to find out, you know, how much of impurity is there in gold. But when our faith gets tested, the faith gets tested so that, you know, our characters will form. So that, you know, we will be purified, we will be separated. When, when gold tested, gets tested through the fire, what happens? The impurities get, you know, goes apart. And you see the pure gold. When we go through such trials and temptations and tribulations in our lives, our character is molded, all the impurities will go away. Yes, is it helping? Amen. So trial of faith is much more precious than the trial of gold. Trial of faith is much more precious than the trial of gold. And Peter says that, you know, you will be taken through all these trials and tribulations when we live on the face of this earth. For what? So that you will have enough faith to build up in your lives and you will be able to more focus on the eternity. You know, all these troubles will come and get added in our lives when we are focusing downward. But when we turn our eyes and fix our eyes upon Jesus, when we start focusing on the eternity, with the eternal world that is yet to come, we will see our faith is becoming stronger and stronger. And how the gold is tested? It is tested by fire. So Peter says that precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. You know, fire is an important agent that tests. Bible also says in our work will be tested by fire. How we build our lives, it will be tested by fire. Fire is a good tester of the purity of gold. And persecutions and tribulations, Peter is saying, they are good testers for the testing of faith. And think about gold. You know, when you test, when you take the gold through fire, whether the amount of the gold, the size of the gold will become bigger or smaller? Smaller, because impurities are removed. But when our faith is taken through the fire, through test, through tribulations, our faith will decrease or increase? Increase. That's the difference. Now think about gold. Now when you take the gold through fire, the gold becomes purer and purer and more purer. And eventually where the gold is going to go? To the ground. But when your faith is taken through tribulations and trials and pains and sorrow, your faith will really help you to inherit the eternal heaven. Amen? Tested by fire. Let's read further. May be found, when your faith is tested by fire, you may be found to praise good things, to honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now verse 8. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing. Peter is saying that, okay, whatever I talked about until now, you have not seen any of this. Have anyone seen Jesus? No. Have anyone seen, uh, have anyone seen eternal heaven? No. We have not seen all these things. But Peter is saying, though now you do not see him yet believing. Remember only the apostles, they had an opportunity to see Jesus. Remember only those 500 plus people, they saw Jesus after his resurrection. And of course, God had showed himself to many people across the globe time and then. 
But millions and millions of people are following this, are believing, including you and I. We just believe we have not seen him. We have not seen him. We are believing. We are believing. John chapter 20, verse 29, Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, <clears throat> you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You know, that's the reason I say, do not just ask God to show himself to you. Do not just wait for a dream or vision to see God. Bible says, Jesus said, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Amen? You know, God has brought us to a time such as this. God is expecting us to believe those things that are kept in our way. You know, I'll be done quickly. And let, let's move further. Let's move further. And he says, glory at the revelation of Lord Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love. Though now you do not see him yet believing what he says. You rejoice. What kind of joy? Joy inexpressible. Can you say that with me? Joy inexpressible it just you know just 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 is outflowing joy overflowing joy joy we cannot even express and peter is saying you don't have many things in your life you don't have many blessings in your lives but in the midst of all you have all the troubles in your lives now in the midst of all the troubles and persecution and sorrow and troubles in your lives trials and temptations i want you to show joy inexpressible it's hard but Peter says, it's possible. It's possible. We need to be filled with that unspeakable joy. Unspeakable joy. God is saying that, you know, we go through sufferings and troubles in our lives. At times we sit and cry. But God says, just rejoice. Just rejoice. With an inexpressible joy. Uh, inexpressible joy. Now he says, you know, that's the identity of a true child of God. Because we believe something which we have not seen. And we move forward towards something which we have not seen. We just do it. We just operate by believing the word. Believing what Jesus said. And he says, there is no reason we need to be doubt doubtful. There is no reason why we need to be dull. And he says, we need to just continue our life with joy that is inexpressible. And we are coming to an important portion now. And full of glory, and verse 9, uh, he says, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of so our souls. What is the end of our faith? You know, I have never thought about it, when my faith is going to come to an end. What is our end of faith? We need to hold on to faith until that point of time. And our end of faith is the salvation of our soul. You know, now at times we keep having questions within us, what is the point in keeping this faith? What is the point in going through all these trials and troubles in my life? What is the point in believing him, you know, without seeing? What is the point in just holding on to that faith that keeps me alive? What is the point? Maybe all the persecutions that are happening, Lord, what is the point? And Bible says, the end of our faith is the salvation of our soul. So that really means salvation is not on the day when we are saved. Salvation is the day when our faith comes to an end. When our faith comes to an end, that's the day we are going to get saved eternally. And when, when we say that faith comes to an end, Peter really tells us that you need to hold on to the faith until that point of time in your life so that we are saved. The salvation of our soul happens really happens on the day when our faith ends. 
Now those who are going through persecution. During the persecution, their faith really gets tested. Now when the persecution becomes more and more severe, their lives are taken away. Their lives are taken out of them. And their faith is coming to an end. And that results in eternity. That results in eternity as Peter says. During the persecution they are asked to hold on to that faith. Because their faith is getting tested in every time when they go through, when they handle that situation. You know, it is true in your life, not only just persecution, the troubles that you are handling today. When you go through those situations in your life, your faith is getting tested. Your faith is getting tested. But there is a day. There is a day that is coming to, that, is, that, that day is going to bring an end to the faith. And that's the day we will be saved to be with the Lord eternally forever and ever. Can we all stand for a moment this morning? Just want to summarize what we talked about. Peter says, because of God's abundant mercy, he birthed us into this living hope through the resurrection of Lord God into an eternity, eternal heaven that is incorruptible, that is undefiled, that does not fade away. That is reserved in heaven by our Father as long as we are kept alive, kept by the power of God. And Peter says, in this we need to greatly rejoice. This morning God is telling us to greatly rejoice. Even though our faith which is much precious than gold is tested by various situations, various trials. It's all going to result in praise, in honor and in glory at the time of the revelation of Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, you continue to believe on the one whom you have not seen. You continue to believe the place which is yet to come, but you have not seen. But you need to greatly rejoice as the end of your faith is going to result in salvation of our souls.